This is MJ. I'm an author. I'm an artist. I'm an analyzer. Welcome to Red Panda Report, special episode number four, where I am talking about The Shadow, episode 17 of season one, which is called The White Legion. My joking title for this review is White Good Sale. And if you listen to the episode, you'll know why I called it White Good Sale. It's actually a quote from the episode, which is like a, which is how I like to do a lot of my titles. Uh, and if you want to listen to the episode, you don't want to mess around looking for it here and there, listen to people's ads about uh, me undies or she for uh, I don't know what is the the psychology one? You help help you me need help help. No, that's not it. Uh, sorry. If you do need help, though, get it. It just I, I it's just funny where the ads show up for that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, you can find it ad free here on mgmunios.com. It'll be linked in the show notes. It'll be linked. Uh, basically, go to the show notes. If you're hearing this, you should be able to get to the show notes very easily on mgmunios.com under Red Panda Report number four. You'll find Red Panda Report uh, 3.5, which is uh, the White Legion, and it's just the episode. Uh, it has all the blue coal and other uh, old-timey ads in it, but that's about it. It doesn't have other people's modern ads that are going to irritate you. It'll have ads that will delight and entertain you, hopefully, as they've delighted and entertained me. But I'm going to go ahead and get right into this uh, by telling you that... Oh, I'm sorry. This is actually not episode 17. It's episode 26 of season 1. Uh, it's called The White Legion, like I said earlier. It originally aired March 20th, 1938. That's a long time ago. I did not do the math, but it's a long time ago. And 80-something years. We're, we're coming up to... It says 2023. Anyway, I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> I think it's 85 years ago, which is kind of wild. But anyway, uh, I'll start off saying I didn't really enjoy the way Lamont and Margot stumbled into the White Legion's plot. I think it's pretty silly. Uh, there's no force of destiny at work leading him on these adventures, as far as I know, unless there's some unknown feature of the shadow magic or whatever, the natural magics of the shadow that enable him to like stumble upon crimes doesn't really make sense. Uh, I say that even though, uh, in another world, in another life, I, uh, enjoy things like Kamen Rider Black, which has the main character stumbling into crazy situations. And then he says, this is a Golgum plot. And, uh, there's even been a, like a, one of those workflow or like decision tree, uh, memes made of it where it says, you know, uh, you know, encounter strange thing. And then, you know, thing after thing after thing. And it goes around. I just saw a crow catch a lizard on a wall. That was really cool. Anyway. Um, and it basically all leads to it being a Golgum plot, you know, uh, and it's very funny, but uh, here we have the shadow not fighting against one single evil organization. He's fighting all sorts of crimes. He's encountering all sorts of crimes everywhere. Uh, petty crimes to, uh, you know, world conquering crimes that'll kill and subjugate millions or, you know, tens of millions or billions of people on the earth. And yet this crime, uh, it does involve a murder and a kidnapping, but it's all about politics and it's just local politics in the town and for some reason there's a white legion uh, an army of people i would assume in white garb uh, i don't know if this is like a klu klux klan thing or what it is but it's just just very strange <laughs> um it's just very strange the way that 
Margo and, and Lamont stumble upon this because he's like, oh, let's go out and get some exercise and perhaps get me some new shirts. So then they go to the apartment store and a guy happens to be kidnapped right in front of him that's involved with this plot. Like, there's no way I can think of that you could, based on what was in the episode, argue that no, the Shadow has his agents because Margo's the only agent he really has in this, right? In the radio? Anyway. Um, and, you know, they, he, they planned it out. They had all this intel. And they said, go to this place at this time. This guy's going to be shopping there. And this guy's under threat. Uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> Here's one small way. If he had this DA or ADA, I think it's an ADA, uh, under monitoring, he could have known, oh, this guy's going to be here. But then all of their time together should have been, she could have been like, Lamont, why are we going to this dry cleaners? Why are we going to this place? Why are we going to that place? And, oh, don't worry, Margo. It just strikes my fancy to be among the common people uh, or whatever. Um... <laughs> That would be silly, but it would also kind of work, but that's not what they did. So, I mean, if you really, really, really want to be super generous and not be critical at all, you do that. But, you know, you got to turn your head to the side and close your eye and plug both your ears. Maybe hold something over your nose in order for <laughs> that to make sense to you, at least from my perspective. So, anyway, I did like the idea of a newspaper man being the villain, though. Uh, it has been said that the corporate press is the enemy of the people, and here we have... Uh, somebody using the power of the press to basically influence and sway people to his own political persuasion and it doesn't matter how many people have to die. In fact, uh, the white legion, whatever they are and whatever their goals are, they are willing to commit murder and kidnapping and all manner of things, including, uh, I guess you would say, psychological warfare. Or I think it's been referred to as fourth age warfare. It's informational warfare against the masses in order to see their will be done and that's kind of interesting uh also the twist of the white legion's high commander who he actually is is very exciting because it seems like it's going to be the newspaper man and then it turns out to be the kidnapped guy's wife no it doesn't she she's in there as a very minor character she doesn't come back i don't think but yeah there's a revelation a dramatic revelation at the end of who the grand leader this the grand wizard of the white legion is uh, basically, I wonder if they're like a Klu Klux Klan analog of some sort, but I don't know when the Klan uh, was active or when they started, um, so I, I couldn't speculate. Um, and I'm not going to look it up like I did with the German bun thing from the last uh, last episode, Let, from the last Red Panda Report special, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, so something that I thought was odd is the White Legion is involved in orchestrating kidnappings and murders, abducting the DA or ADA, like I said before, uh, was done to free one of their members from a murder charge. They call each other comrades, and they are aligned with local uh, city politics um, to the point that they are willing to kill to see their will done. Uh, it's good that the story is anti-political, but I'm surprised... Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised at the same time that it is apolitical. All that matters is the conflict, um, sorry, in the conflict is that people are trying to use the machinery of politics to their own selfish ends, uh, even going so far as to murder for their supposedly just cause. Uh, the abuse done is criminal uh, and vile. It matters not what the abuser believes. And, uh, you know, I'm saying that's something odd, but it's something clever and deft and interesting and... <coughs> It just, it so easily could have been made up to be, uh, I think there were Republicans and Democrats at the time, it could have been made as Republican versus Democratic, it could have been made, um, you know, communist, because these guys are calling each other comrade, 
uh, it could have been made fascist. I believe fascism was a popular movement around the world. In fact, uh, a U.S. president, I don't know if it was Roosevelt or somebody else, openly admired uh, Mussolini, for example, for the fascistic way in which Italy was run at the time. Um, and if it wasn't him, it was probably Woodrow Wilson, because look, just look into Woodrow Wilson's history, okay? Just look into that. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> anyway, um, but I just find that to be really interesting because it could have been used as a political cudgel, and instead, it's used to make the larger, more correct, more moral point that, hey, manipulating and using the political machinery to marginalize, oppress, and, uh, you know, murder and harm other people is wrong no matter what side of the aisle you are on. And that's just impressive. Of course, there is also the idea that Blue Coal didn't want you alienating all their, uh, you know, everybody needs heating, not, you know, just Democrats or Republicans. And while they might have been Blue Coal, they very well may have been uh, dyed-in-the-wool red Republicans. So, who knows? Uh, who knows? Only the shadow knows. Uh, but I'm going to move on from there and get into a little bit of the lore in just a moment. Okay, yes. Shrevy, slow down. I see something up ahead I have some interest in. Alright, so, uh, it's fun that Margot uh, drives Lamont around. Uh, it makes sense that <clears throat> that he would uh, have a need to be driven around so he can jump out of a car as the shadow from time to time. Uh, the Shadow is given an opportunity to claim the glory of the day and uh, instead asks to be left alone, to be just a voice who, or that rather, uh, and this is a quote, that wakes the guilty conscience, brings terror to the wrongdoer, and comfort to the oppressed. That's a lovely sentiment. I think that's beautiful. Why did I include that in lore? Because um, I think that's part of the mythos of who the Shadow is. I mean, he viciously and savagely attacks the guilty, and he goes out of his way, putting his own life at risk to save the innocent and to help them. And this goes back to the Death House Rescue, where he punished the guilty, he helped free an innocent man, and he provided actual help and aid to his wife and child, who would have otherwise you know, died from medical costs being too high. And uh, it's... It's just beautiful. It's lovely. It's like everything good about superheroes. And I think a lot of... Uh, well, I don't know for a fact. I have the impression that a thing that people like about The Shadow is how dark and grim and edgy it is. But honestly, um, this is not dark or grim or edgy. Now, maybe the pulp novels have a little bit more of that. But even in the pulp novels, The Shadow is whoever he is. <laughs> Whether he be Lamont Cranston or some other... Uh, you know, wealthy young man about town, or just a shadow of his former self, scarred and disfigured beyond uh, <laughs> beyond uh, being able to mix into good into polite company. He's a good man, and sentiments like this, lines like this, dialogue like this expresses that very well, and it it just shows him to be so commendable and so moral and just and good. And like I said, it's beautiful, and I, I especially think it's beautiful in a hero like this who has that dark edge to him and it clarifies i think for people that yeah you can have both of these you can have the darkness that is requisite to attack and hurt and punish crime and you can have the the softness that it takes to uh to help people be 
who they are and to save people's lives, not just from danger, but from ruin and emptiness. And, uh, gosh, I wish they had the shadows agents in this. Cause in the books, it really comes across that he is saving the men who become his agents in material and spiritual ways. And it's not even religious. It's just metaphysically, there is something more that these men live for, uh, when they were at the edge of death. And uh, it's just, it's, it's beautiful and moving. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, that's enough for this one. I'm going to move on to the next episode, which is going to be ta- going to be me talking about uh, one of the final episodes. And, it, you know, it was interesting to me. For some reason, they chose this to be the last episode of the first season. And I think it's very good. I don't know if it has anything to do, anything to do with the politics at the time or not. But uh, regardless, it was a solid episode. And the message in it was fabulous. And uh, you know what? To be cynical for a second, maybe they left off with showing the the dark and the light of the shadow um, to bring people back, to have it stick in their memories as, wow, this guy is something, this character is something. And, uh, you know, it definitely sticks in my mind. And I'm wondering if perhaps that was a calculated move. And if it was, congratulations, you won, you did it. You get the whole kit and caboodle, the whole chocolate factory. It's all yours because you did such a good job. Anyway, but really, I'm going to go ahead and sign off right now, and I ask that you come back for the next episodes. Uh, we'll be rounding out, I'll be rounding out the specials with talking about one more. Uh, I don't know if it's the final episode or if it's just from the last season of The Shadow. I think it's just from the last season, but it's not the final episode. Uh, and then I'll be talking about The Shadow Movie from 1994, and that's all I'll say about it for now. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.